Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Now, here's Danny and Will. What's good, party people? It's been a while, my friends. It's been a while. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti. Life took over, Brooksy. Life took over. But you know what's most important? We're here now. That's all that matters. Well, first off, everyone, congratulations, Danny, on wiping that beautiful woman up. I got my ring on right now. Uh-oh, you're single man. You're mine right now. Okay, let me ask you this. Did it take you a while to get used to having a ring Oh, on? bro. It was so weird. It was so yeah. weird to, to wear a ring. Mm-hmm. And now I feel weird without this way. I don't like jewelry. Like, I don't like bracelets. Even when I was a player, like, I was a pitcher. I didn't wear bracelets and necklaces. Like, I'm not that. I'm not that guy, pal. Not that guy, pal. So having something on my finger, I'm still getting used to it. You know what I mean? Speaking of having things on, I'm not accustomed to having on. I had COVID. Uh, <laughs> I was, I got crushed by COVID, by the way. This is another reason we've been delayed. You went on, like, a month trip, which you deserved. Uh, all over Europe, which is yeah, amazing. You came, you came back, and I'm like, oh, I'm super busy this week, and then I got crushed with COVID. Jenny, my wife, and I both got it. One of our kids got it. Everybody's fine, uh, but Jenny and I were very sick for like four or five days. And you're both vaccinated, too. Both vaccinated, both safe, both wear masks, like whatever. It's, uh, <laughs> it crushed us. That was the sickest I've ever been. I remember uh, had to have been a month or two ago, you were so pumped just to see your dad because you haven't seen your dad in a year because yeah. of COVID, but you guys were vaccinated and you were pumped to see him. You guys went golfing. That's the thing. Uh, you can do everything right. This thing will get you. Yeah. It'll yeah. Get you. But we're good now. I still like, <clears throat> still like have this chest stuff, like it's a little cough, but I'm kind of good to go. Football's yeah, I mean, back. Postseason mean- baseball coming up. You're screwing up our audio for this podcast, but I guess that's beside the point. That's neither here nor I need like a cough button. Yeah. Well, every time I'm going to cough, I'll just drink my bourbon. Mm. Yo. So, okay, the last time we were doing podcasts, you were drinking wine and whiskey. You've all of a sudden turned into a bourbon guy, apparently. Okay. Either you're going to have to edit this or I'm going to have to call you out. So, bourbon is whiskey. I, well, okay, I'll, I'll keep this in. I don't got to edit this out. I'm not afraid to be a alcohol naive person don't, i'm just saying okay. like bourbon is yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, bourbon, yeah okay. i get you okay so let me learn you something bourbon is like a relief pitcher for whiskey like he's a pitcher but he's not you no. know what i mean no 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 it's like a it's like a bourbon tree and this is a branch it's like a branch you can look at like yeah you have rye whiskey you have bourbon whiskey you have scotch scotch is also whiskey Irish whiskey, Scott, is basically Scotch. Japanese whiskey uh, is a little bit sweeter, but uh, but it's essentially a Scotch the way it's made. It's all whiskey, but it's just it's because of how it's made and the ingredients is the reason it's called what it's called. All right, fair enough. So bourbon is still whiskey. It's the same amount of alcohol contact content as most ryes, most scotches. It just is a little sweeter, so it tastes a little better. Okay, okay. Well, we're learning. The more you know, I pardon my uh, alcohol naivety, but I'll tell you what I can. You're gone, dude. Hold. You're not. You haven't been married that long. You don't have kids yet that you know of, and so just learn it's coming. <laughs> so we got a lot to talk about on this podcast, baseball wise. But I'm warning everybody now: 
I'm still in that phase where I'm still coming off this Europe honeymoon. And so every five minutes, I'm going to say, oh, when we were in Paris, oh, when we were in Italy. So I'm just warning you guys now, like every time I say when we were in blank, take a drink and you'll be feeling pretty buzzed by the time this podcast is over. I know Brooksy will. That's fine. What do you want to get into first? We got a lot. So much. Not necessarily to catch up on, but just to like talk about what's going on right now. There's so much going on with these wildcard chases right now. There's not really a whole lot of uh, divisional races. Most of those are taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Divisional races lock them in for the most part. I mean, out West, you got San Francisco. Let's just start with San Francisco. This is our rowdy roundup. Get right back into things with the rowdy roundup. Let's start with San Francisco. Already clinched a playoff spot. Mm. On pace for over 100 victories. Uh, if not more than that, it could, I mean, should they got a chance at 105? They're, they're, I'm going like 103. They're getting over 100, and I'll tell yeah. you why. I'm going to tell you why. So normally, you clinch this early, the last couple of weeks of the season, you let your starters rest. You give them some days off. Let them get off their feet. Some guys make some match. At, uh, just your normal players aren't out there, right? Your normal starters get to skip a start here and there. You go some – I mean, they go bullpen games all the time, but more bullpen games than you would think. But they don't want to use up their bullpen either uh, to rack up those innings. They've already logged a lot of innings anyways. But main point here, they're not taking any days off. Their starters are there. They're playing it like they haven't clinched. Why is that? Well – they need to win the division. That's right. We talked about this a little bit before the show. They cannot have – they can't put their season on the line for a sudden death game. They will wear you down. They will beat you in a three, five, seven game series. They'll beat you because they're a better team. They have, they're probably the most well-rounded team in baseball. Matchup nightmare. Right. Exactly. And Gabe Kapler's done a great job. That front office done a great job. They kind of have the analytical recipe and equation that Tampa has and how to beat you with guys that aren't supposed to beat you, right? Well, they had a 2% chance to go in the playoffs this year, and here they are with a good chance they end up with the best record in baseball, which is nuts. But so the reason they're staying aggressive is because they don't have that battle-tested starter. They don't have Max Scherzer. So the Dodgers want to win the division too, of course, because you just want to win the division. But they're okay going to a wild card game. They have Max Scherzer who's been in big games. He's been in this position in a wild card game with the Nationals and won a World Series. He, they have Walker Buehler. They have Kershaw back, who we'll see where his innings are at, but he's probably going to be a six innings his next start. He'll be good to go. I mean, six innings is all you need now. Um, even Urias, who has been phenomenal this year, he gets a lot of run support, but he pitches really well. He's even He, he got the last out of the World Series last year. He's been in big games, which he could start that game too. And they're both full of guys who've been there. The Giants are a great team. They don't have that experience, right? So when you get to the postseason, I'll let you talk. I'll shut up. When you get to the postseason, your heart rate's different, all right? Every pitch is the biggest pitch of your life in the postseason, especially the World Series. But the postseason in general, heart rate's up a little more. They don't have that many guys who have that experience, who've been in that spot. And in a one-game playoff, you don't have time to shake off the rust. you got to go from pitch one. So you get Matt Scherzer in there, and he's like, Give me the ball. It's another game. Di Scalfani gets in there. Gosman, who, I mean, he pitched in a couple big games, not not really with – I mean, he was with Baltimore most of his career. He didn't pitch in big games. He's going to get in there, and they're going to feel different. They're, 
their nerves are going to be there. Their, their pitches are going to come out a little different the first couple of innings, and you don't have a couple of innings to give in a, in a sudden death game. I couldn't agree more, Pitch, especially pitching staff-wise. There's no arguing the experience that the Dodgers have compared to the Giants. Mm-hmm. It's really night and day. Now, lineup-wise, San Francisco has plenty of options in, the, in postseason experience. Longoria, Posey, Crawford, Bell, guys yeah. that have won multiple World Series here. But that leads me to my next point. You're bringing up the fact that San Francisco is still having two competing games because they don't want to be in that one-game wild card, which, by the way, I couldn't agree with more with you there. My question for you is this. Okay, when you were with the Red Sox 2013, you guys were so far up in the division. You guys really weren't competing with anyone for the last month. I'm looking at your guys' schedule. The last time you guys were tied in the division was August. After that, you guys ran away with the division. By the time mid-September hit, you guys were eight and a half up. Uh, Do you remember who was in second place in 2013 behind you guys? I thought, I don't think it was the Yankees, was it? They were in like second, third, 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 maybe. So Tampa was right behind you guys. Well, I shouldn't yeah. say right behind. They, they finished the division five and a half behind. That's only because I would guess you guys took- rested your starters exactly. at least the last two weeks. So my exactly. question to you is this. <clears throat> it obviously didn't inf- you know, impair you guys. You guys ended up winning the World Series. But there- let, me guess. let me guess what you're going to ask. Did you lose your edge? No, maybe not the edge, but just – is it hard to sit a game, play a game, sit a game, play a game, and then all of a sudden postseason comes and you're playing balls to the wall, it's winter go home? Uh, no, not that point in the season because you put logged, individually logged over 100 games. You've played almost – if you're an everyday player, if you're a pitcher, it really doesn't matter because they're every five days anyway. Sure. Um, bullpen, you know, days off here and there don't matter when you have 40, 50 appearances. Um I think, no, no, I don't. Because everyday players, like I said, they've logged so many innings. They're just in autopilot, you know. And then it it actually helps your bench players, especially when you're trying to figure out playoff rosters and this and that, um, because it's kind of a tryout for guys. But earlier you you, you clinch, those guys get to kind of try out and be like, all right, you're going to make our playoffs roster, right? So those guys look forward to it. Um, and then you have your guys who are your bench players, ours are like Johnny Gomes, Daniel Nava, people like that. It gives them a chance to kind of get in a groove and see a lot more pitches and they're accustomed to seeing once or twice a week, you know? So you don't have a problem with resting player. Let's say a team no. like the White Think about an AL team. Think about an AL team and how the bench is used. It's not used, right? And then you get into a World Series and you got to have guys come off the bench. You pretty much use your whole bench in the, in the, in the World Series in, in an NL stadium for an AL team. And your players haven't played all year. They play once or twice a week. So that last week or two is huge for those guys to get going. By the way, you were talking about bench players. You know what I miss it is kind of sparked the sparked the light bulb was is September call-ups. Yeah. Man, I, I like seeing different players get <clears> like you know, you see players like like Cody Decker, who we talked on this podcast with. Guys like Cody Decker where they might not get another chance to get up to the big leagues. Right. Out that September call, but now we don't have the September call ups. And man, that's that's something I've missed this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But that, like you said, that that is an opportunity for a lot of guys that that's their only chance they'll ever get. Well, yeah. we'll leave San Francisco at this point because I couldn't agree with you more. I believe we talked this was a couple months back. We this was before San Diego completely had the 
wheels fall off. This was when <laughs> San Diego, San Francisco, and Los Angeles were head, 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 you know, right there together. Right. And I remember we talked about it, and we always had concerns about San Francisco. We both agreed San Francisco is a good team. But we always agreed, this was kind of my point the whole time, is that if you were to list best players one through 80 of those three squads, Padres, Dodgers, Giants, you'd have to get to player 10 or 11 before you even get to your Posies, your Gosmans. Like the Dodgers and the Padres, now, and this is regardless of where the Padres are in the division, they still have star players. Now, they're not winning ball games, so that kind of makes my point a moot point here. But the point is, the star power on San Francisco is not as high as a team like Los Angeles. And in a one game playoff, as you mentioned, you need a guy, you need a couple guys that just go out there and shove. And is Gosman that guy? I don't know. Dude, look, I question myself with that theory, but just because they are so good and they're managed well, they're coached well, they believe in themselves, which that's, that's something like we don't really talk about in professional sports, but it's so important. The fact that they, in that inside the clubhouse, that like they believe they can beat anybody on any given day because they have all year when they weren't supposed to, that's almost as important as that experience that a Scherzer and those guys have, because that's kind of how we were. Like we still had some studs, like we still had like big poppy, you know, whatever. He was still swinging it. Pedroia. Like we still had some guys, but we were made up of a bunch of just grinders really. Yeah. And that was kind of what was inside our clubhouse was just belief in each other and ourselves and that's something you just build throughout a season. And that's the Giants, man, just like over and over and over and again have been told that you're going to fall off, you're going to lose, there's no way you're this good. And then they just kind of stuck together and kept grinding, grinding, grinding. They're, they've got to be – I guarantee – and you saw Posey, like he had a quote after a game. He was saying, like, all the teams I've been on, this is the best team I've ever been on. And I was like, holy shit. Like think about those teams he's on. Like that, that's nuts. By the way, Brandon Crawford, he is one for one in being an MVP conversation since joining us for interviews, by the way. Sorry about it. What about his wife? I mean, I'm gonna I've been messaging his wife the whole time. Like, you're just gonna have to bring him back on the show every year now since he's an MVP guy now. I mean, that's just that's just a wake up. He's gonna be a free agent too, right? He just signed a two-year extension. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, I'm on the East Coast. Dude. I don't pay attention to you guys. <laughs> 12 players. On, we've been talking about the Giants for too long. 12 players have set career highs in home runs on the Giants this year. 12. They, I mean, they led the league in the long the, for forever until the Blue Jays just got in fuego. But yeah, let's talk about the Blue Jays. That's a great transition right there by you. Thank you, please. Yeah. They're a dangerous team. There's no doubt about it. But if they don't sneak into the playoffs, it doesn't really matter. So are the Blue Jays a legit team to be afraid of right now? Or Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, I mean. To be afraid of? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's the second best offense in baseball. Behind who? It's behind Houston. That's right. I had to think about it. That's right. Houston. I mean, but it's like they're like neck and neck for the best offense in baseball. Which Houston, I didn't even really think that they would be in the mix. I thought they'd be like top five. I didn't think they were at the top, but weak division. Eh, not that weak, actually. Seattle's actually. My, my Mariners have slid a little bit. My Mariners have slid a little bit. Yeah, but the fact that they're in the mix right now is impressive. So, I don't. Back to the Blue Jays. How familiar, no, no, no. I want, you said Mariners. <laughs> now I'm going off on my I Mariners. knew this was going to happen because you get such a hard-on for them. West Coast teams. I get a hard-on for all the West Coast teams. 
All right, the Mariners, do you, are, how familiar are you with the clutch formula on Fangraphs? I don't know the formula, but but I know it's a thing. You like my okay. shirt? Welcome to the shit show. It's very fitting for this podcast. Um, okay, they, so they have a clutch formula. And to kind of simplify for everyone in the listeners here, basically it is big moments. How do hitters perform in big High moments? leverage situations like tie High games, leverage. runners in scoring position. Yeah. Correct. So Fangraphs has this formula and then basically – First place this year in clutch rating are the Mariners, and they have a rating of like 7.2 last I checked. The next team in line, there's not another team in baseball with a clutch rating higher than 3.1. What? So the Mariners have more than double any team in baseball in regards to clutch hitting this. Is that a typo? Because you look at their numbers, like their batting average, their team batting average is – their team ERA is like eh. They have a good bullpen, sure, but like – like they just they, super I mean, their team batting average is like last in the league, right? Like top, like bottom three, bottom three. Last I checked is bottom three. Uh, but but they're so clutch. I mean, they're just getting big hits in big situations. Well, that's anyway, the we, only hits they get. We can move on from the Mariners, but regardless. I want to talk about the Blue Jays. I think the craziest thing I've seen, and I saw you tweet this too, that Vlad doesn't have the highest war on their – that's awesome. Marcus Simeon just hit his – by the way, we're recording this podcast. I didn't even say the date on this podcast, man. doesn't matter because we're back. I mean, we're, we're back, baby. But <laughs> we're recording this episode on Saturday. But I'm not going to release it till Monday because we're just number-hungry people and we know that nobody's going to listen to us on a Sunday. So uh, this podcast will be released on a Monday because uh, we're just like that. But, yeah, Marcus Simeon on Saturday hit his 40th home run. 40. All the A's had to do was pay the man $18 million, a hometown kid. He went to UC Berkeley, and you can't pay $18 million, Oakland. What the hell are you doing, man? Oh, 40 oh. bombs, dude. He's only like the fifth second baseman all time to have a 40 home run season to play like 50% of his games at that position. But it's, it's like, okay because it's okay because they went and got Elvis Andrews and Mitch Moreland. Okay. I'm not here to talk about the A's. I want to talk about a playoff team. All right, all right. In the Blue Jays. I'm impressed. I was so down on them early in the year because I was like, they're pitching while hold up. Robbie Ray might win the AL Cy Young. He leads the lead, AL in strikeouts, doesn't he? I think, yes, he does. I think he should. I think he should just because the the interaction with uh, Hyde with the Orioles. That was great. You shut the fuck up. No, you shut the fuck up. We weren't saying anything. We'll put that audio and video in this podcast, too. Yeah, I love it. It was amazing. Just put back on the active roster today. Shut up. Shut up, BJ. Bobby Ray looking over toward the Oriole dugout for some reason. Not sure what's going what on with this delay here, but Martin has stepped out of the box. Brandon Hyde. He was arguing with somebody. I'm not sure who. Swing and a miss. Got him with the fastball upstairs. Big strikeout. First out of the inning. Well, that's who he's hollering at. 
Yep. He's hollering at Robbie Ray. He also leads the league in uh, size of uniform compared to ratio of the entire body. It is the smallest, not, I shouldn't say smallest. He's a big guy. It is the tightest uniform I think I've ever seen. His, and I'm like, I've seen tight pants. Those were a thing, but the jersey, it's like half sleeves. It's like, I'm not, I'm not big enough to do it, but. Oh, allow me. Allow me. I'm sorry. Jesus, traps. Stop. All right. You get the point. Like, how's that comfortable? I don't understand. But besides the point, their, their pitching has picked them up in a big way. Like, we know how good their offense is, but you can't win without pitching. You can't. You can't be a playoff team without pitching. It just doesn't happen. And not only Ray, yeah, I mean, you get Barrios at the deadline, Ryu, Manoa. Alec Manoa has been phenomenal since he came up. Again, I think he debuted against the Yankees, pitched well, but he's been nasty. He had a good uh, interview with Pitching Ninja a few days ago. It was really good. Ninja's a good one. Yeah. Um, hey, but, hey did, did you happen to see Nate Pearson? Throwing triple to the bullpen. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, that's a bullpen arm that can throw a triple. I was going to say, I think the best thing they could have done is move 100 miles an hour to the bullpen. It, same thing happened with Garrett Richards in Boston. It yeah. took the pressure off of being a starting pitcher, and now they're able to just, like, tap into that competitive side and not be fearing failure. They're just like, here's my shit for an inning. <laughs> See ya. See you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and some guys need that. Because Garrett Richards has been phenomenal since he went to the bullpen. Like. He, he, opponents had a 300 batting average against him as a starter this year, and it's like under 100 as a reliever. It's, it's the same stuff. Yeah. It's just here. It's in his head. It's between his ears. That's all it is. I had a. I was on a Toronto radio station about two weeks ago, and they asked me because Toronto's had issues with their bullpen, and they basically asked me why is it that Tampa Bay and Oakland always get their bullpens right. Like, what is it with the analytically driven organizations that always get their bullpen? They always get have a nice bullpen. Every because single they develop year. them. They, they scout them right. and they draft them. That's right. And so they asked me, they said, why is Toronto not doing the same thing? And I said, frankly, <clears throat> some people are better at scouting than others. Like Tampa has a better As a scout, team. when you're drafted as a pitcher, you think you're going to be a starting pitcher. Because when you're good in high school or you're good in college, you get drafted because you're a good starting pitcher. No, your best arms aren't bullpen guys in high school and college. Just how it is. You're a starter. So you think oh, I'm going to be a starter. You get drafted or you get scouted as a starter. No one goes out and really watches guys like he's going to be a sick setup guy. Yeah. He's going to be my long guy in the bullpen. No one thinks about that. Maybe Tampa does. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We yeah. never we never think about it that way. That's true. That's Maybe they answer. scout that way because they keep developing guys and guys come up we've never heard of. And then they go get guys that we've never heard of who they scout who maybe were starters even in the minor leagues. And they're they're like, those would be good bullpen pieces. Tampa Bay lost their top three starters from last year. Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, <clears throat> Tyler Glasnow. He's out for the season with Tommy John. They traded away their starting shortstop and Willie Adamas, who for a while there was an NL MVP candidate. Yeah. They traded away Diego Castillo, who has been one of the better bullpen arms over the past few seasons. And then they also traded away Dick Mountain and Rich Hill, who's been a solid <laughs> starter for the New York Mets. So you're talking about three starters from last year, another starter from this year, your starting shortstop, and they're the best team in the American League. I know we're talking Blue Jays here, but that is 
truly incredible right there. I mean, that's why when they get to the World Series and they pull a pitcher because of analytics and we go, why, why, why? Because they're there because of that yeah. equation. But you're going to go down so with That's your- why they're like, we're going to stick with it. Even though in the postseason, it's like, you kind of kind of just like lay your dick on the table and say like, I'm here. Like there's, there's a more of a human aspect when you get to the postseason because some days in the regular season, even when you have your best stuff, it's like, okay, we got to think about tomorrow. Um, we know you don't need to throw 120 pitches. We're going to take you out at, at 105 uh, because your next start's a big one against New York or whatever. In the postseason, it's like, if you have your stuff, leave them in there until they don't. Because mm-hmm. there is no tomorrow in a lot of cases for these guys. That's right. So that's where the analytics can kind of get in the way, which we saw with Snell and Cash last year. Um, but like I said, they stuck with it because that's why they're there. So it's fair to say that Toronto is the most dangerous team between those three dogs. I'm not, I'm not talking about Tampa Bay. I'm talking about Boston, New York, and Toronto. Those teams fighting for them. Yeah, it's just uh, it's too inconsistent, man. They, they built a team that's just it, – they're all good at the same thing. Who is that? Is that Boston? Is that- no, no, New York. New York. They built a lineup that was just, like, all good at hitting homers. And if they're oh, not yeah. – like, we saw that stretch where they got, like – they won 13 straight. They won like 17 to 20, whatever. They were stupid hot. But that's because they had four or five guys that were hot at once. That's the only way they're going to be good. Their pitching's been top five team ERA all year. But we don't, we haven't really talked about it. Hold on. Tell them where you are. We're on a podcast right now. That's the Raiders stadium. She's at UNLV and uh, Iowa State. Tell her I'm covering her game tonight, actually, on, on, on the social handles. We could put this on the pod. Say, what's up? Say, what's up, Cass? Hey, good luck. I love you. Have fun. I'll be watching. Bye. We might break a new record for views if we got Jenny Dell on the show. Just so you know, That's Jenny, right, man. Jenny Dell is a much, much bigger deal than Will Middlebrooks is. I hope you know that. She's way hotter. <laughs> just know like i'll talk about people like oh yeah like i do a podcast with will middlebrooks and i'm like oh that's the guy that's married to jenny dell and i'm like yes that's the guy they don't say like oh that's the guy that won the world series it's like no that's jenny dell's husband i'm okay with that that's why i married her i just just want you to know that i just need to humble you if anybody's humble here it's me (laughs) all right that game starts oh we still got an hour till that game starts okay that's uh, yes, yeah, three hours back here. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. Yeah, she, no, she well, grinded through. She grinded through a lot of baseball. I, I'm not gonna miss her her games. Nah. But um, where so, where were we? That's a good husband right there. He teach me the reins. All oh, right. New York. New York. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying their lineup is just they got and plus another thing is they got the lefties. They got Gallo, who's been he's hitting some homers, but he was hitting like 150 since he came over. Rizzo missing time. Doing just like okay, Gary so Sanchez is still dropping pop ups. So that's good to see. So when those lefties came over, all of a sudden opposing teams were like, "Oh shit, we got to pitch different. We gotta, we can't, you know, this. There's lefties in between the big righties. We can't just bring in lefties anymore or just righties anymore." Um, and then once other teams started figuring out, oh, like Gallo's really not an issue. Like he might pop us, but if it's not a big situation, like he can hit a solo homer. We don't really give a shit. Right. And then all of a sudden, they started pitching them like they were. 
and we, we saw a decline anyways. I think I think honestly who's hurt them the most is LeMahieu not being himself. Because because him not being on base means it's more solo shots, less that and he he there. was supposed to he's like the contact guy. I mean he, he only has like six, seven homers in that stadium. That's pretty hard mm-hmm. to do, but um but he's in like two sixty, two fifty, two fifty something, I think. Um and he's normally a three fifteen and above guy. That's I mean for what, $15 million? So if, if you were to make a prediction, I mean, the season could – it could play out any which way. Boston and Toronto. You're going Boston Toronto. So right now, I was looking at the strength of schedules here. Boston has one of the easier schedules between those three. They finished up the season. They had three games against Baltimore and then three games against Washington, two very poor teams. So Boston is going to have a really nice opportunity. We're only two weeks away from the end of the season here, folks. Two weeks away. So Austin's playing good ball too. Hold on, some uh, I, I typed this down earlier. I saw some good stats on Boston. I, I wanted to share while we're talking about this. <clears throat> Sorry for the pause in action. Let's see. Yeah. So after today, well, after Saturday, tonight, they've scored seven plus runs in four straight games. Owens, uh, they have a 2.01 ERA of the last nine games. In their last nine series, they're six, two, and one, which I doubt it's really impressive because they've had some tough series. Um, and the last 54 home games are 36 and 18. So that tells me they definitely want that top spot because they want to be home. They play better at home. Um, we kind of just stopped talking about them because they, they got ice cold there for like two weeks and we're like, they're dead. Mm-hmm. They're dead. And then they've just played really solid baseball. They've just been winning series, like taking two or three here, two or three there, you know? Um, I think people forgot really quickly what going into the season, what the expectations were, because all of a sudden Boston started winning games at an outrageous rate. And now cool. the expectations are here, but they probably should have been a little bit lower. Yeah, I had them in like a 500 team. I'm like maybe one in 82, three games, you know. But their bullpen, who was terrible for like a month and a half, um, let's see, last 35 innings pitch, two earned runs. That's pretty good. 0.5 ERA. So they went in 21 scoreless. You know, you know who did take him Jack Sauce on Saturday was Ryan Mountcastle, though, who deserves to be an American League Rookie of the Year candidate. 31 dingers, <clears throat> 50, like 50 extra base hits. I don't have the stats in front of me. 31 dingers, 82 ribbies, a whole lot of extra base hits. My, Ryan Mountcastle needs to be in that conversation. Yeah. With what, a, what a team to be a rookie on, just like stress-free baseball. I guess, I mean, who knows? Maybe Baltimore. I'm not saying they're going to turn around next year and be a great team, but Adley Rushman's coming up. They got Ryan Mountcastle. Cedric Mullins has been an absolute stud all season long. They got a, well, they got some dudes. So as we've seen across baseball, for ninety percent of teams to be successful, you have to get off your wallet. No, that's yeah, and you need some pitching. You need to use that wall to get some pitching. But that's what I'm saying. Okay, a team that used their wall in the off season and speaking of expectations, had huge expectations coming into the year, and they were pretty much meeting those demands for three fourths of the year, and all of a sudden. Wheels have completely fallen off in San Diego. We got to talk about it. Machado Tatis, little feud in the dugout, if you want to call it. 
after Tatis was upset about a strike three call. He was getting into it with an umpire a little bit. Obviously, it's a crucial series against St. Louis. They ended up losing the lead and losing the game to go down 0-2 in the series. I mean, it goes without <clears> saying, this series against St. Louis, where they're at in the standings, this could really decide their playoff fate. two weeks remaining but to see that happening in the dugout regardless of whether you think it was a positive or negative it's not the best of look especially with what they're going through so your thoughts on Machado and Tatis if I am the Padres and I'm the Padres leadership and ownership management I love this now from an outsider's perspective I know you want to this is going to be compared to your office job or whatever and if you want to get into it with someone you pull them aside you go in the tunnel, you key to the battle in baseball. There's sometimes not time for that, right? Things happen. Things spark. I know Machado doesn't have a clean resume. I know who he's been in his past, um, but he's not proud of it either, but he's grown from those experiences and has turned into a leader of this very good baseball team. I know their record doesn't show that right now, but they're, they're loaded with guys who can be leaders on teams and, and Machado is the leader of that team. And this, that showed it to me. I know people disagree with me. I know they, they think he went about this the wrong way. He was aggressive. He put his hands on him, this and that. If you really listen to the words and, and pick it apart, what he said, he said, we, we know you're the best. Everyone here knows you're the best. Just go play ball. You're my best friend. Did you hear him say that? You're my best friend. I missed the best, fr- best friend part. He said, you're my best friend. But you like you got to listen to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you. You know, he did. John Boy's going to clear a lot of this up for us. That's fine. But listen, this is the. It's going to take time to realize it, but this was the right move by Manny. It it was. Let's not forget that Fernando is 22 years old. He's been given the world. He's been given everything, not just baseball. This goes far beyond baseball with his stardom. You talked about seeing a big poppy jersey in Europe. You're going to start seeing Tatis jerseys, and he hasn't done anything that Big Poppy's done yet because he's, the, he's one of the faces of our game. Manny has been there, done that. He's been in this situation. He's been in big games. He's gotten thrown out of big games and seen it hurt his team. They were winning two to nothing in a game that is a must win for them. They're, they're two and a half out with 14 left. It's a must win. You need your best player on the field. I thought Jace Tingo did a great job of getting out there before Tatis got ran because we know how sensitive umpires are with arguing balls and strikes. They toss guys quick, and that's that's a new policy. I guess it's whatever they implemented before the season, but it, it quick trigger on throwing guys out with arguing. Some back, and it's like they say two words and they're gone. That's why Jace got out there, got in between them. I'm sure Tatis was still barking once he was in the dugout. That's when Manny was like, listen, dude, we need you. Shut up. 
It's one at bat. This isn't about you. It's about us. I know you're pissed because you striked out. You, you struck out. I can't speak English right now. You, <laughs> and, and, and you're mad about that. But this isn't about you. It's bigger than that. Move past your at bat. Let's go win this game. We can't do it without you. Now, yes, they ended up losing. O'Neill had a big home in the eighth. That's baseball. But if you're going to lose, lose with your best team. Lose with your best players. Not a guy inside having a beer on the couch, wishing he was still out there and pissed because he argued a strike off. No, I couldn't agree more. I think in my initial thoughts, because my initial thoughts were optics weren't great. That said, I think long-term, this is a good thing. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I just, you're right. It look, it does look bad, but that's also, I will tell you from firsthand experience, it's okay. Like this can't be compared to, well, my job, well, your job, you don't go inside and have beers and shower with each other either, but this is what they do every night. Yeah. I don't like it. It's different. It can't be compared. Totally. I totally agree. That office job is different from uh, a construction job. A construction job is different than a professional sports job. Like, they're just different vibes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. L- let me ask you this. You're okay with it happening. I don't want to say in public, but in the dugout with it, people can see, obviously there was a camera on them. You're okay with it happening. Not in the tunnel, mm-hmm. not in the clubhouse. I think, I think if they could go back, they would take it in the tunnel, but this was something, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID's still eating my ass alive right now. Um, Eat, eating your ass, huh? That's, that's <laughs> quite the reference. Anyways, so once they got to the dugout, I'm sure Tatis was still barking and Manny was like, grabbed him right there. And like, and not thinking completely clear, like, let me hide this. Yeah. You don't expect someone to have a phone in your dugout. I mean, they knew it was going to be a video, but they, you don't think about that at the time. Yeah. You think about what's right in front of you, the task at hand and winning the game, keeping your best player on the field. You don't think, all right, he's yelling at the umpire. I'm trying to keep him in the game. I'm the leader of this team. He respects me because I'm like an older brother to him. Okay, let me think about the consequences of this publicly. No, you just do it. Right. You're in the heat of the moment. You just do it, and it happens. I've seen this happen many times. It just doesn't get captured by a video because you've already gotten a commercial. That was during commercial break. That's why it wasn't on TV. Yeah. If, right? if it's anybody but Manny Machado, <clears throat> it's because of his past and his background that people are questioning whether it was the right decisions. If mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if this was Derek Jeter, if this was, I'm trying to think the the best leaders in today's game. Um, if it was Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer, I don't I don't think we're questioning whether it was the right move. I get that. I, I and it's simply because Manny has a background. A lot of people don't see Manny on a day to day basis. I know the Padres have been on national TV more this season. But for the most part, people aren't watching 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time games in San Diego. And so for the people on the East Coast, they're not seeing how Manny has grown. Manny's grown, man. The his way past, he- his past makes me like this even more because right. he's been a piece of shit before. Like he's made bad decisions. Yeah. Yet here he is on a very good team in a very big situation being a leader. So that shows me he's changed, man. Like he, he's growing up. He's maturing. Was he 29 years old? He's still not old, but he's been around the game for almost 10 years. And I'm not making the case that he's out here busting his ass on every ground ball he hits, every infield pop up. He's still, he still can get a bit lazy for my liking and probably a lot of people's like, but the guy's been playing hurt nearly all season long. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people don't see 
behind closed doors um, when it comes to leadership. Mm -hmm. If you noticed, people were taking Tatis onto the field. Like, they weren't holding them back. They were just kind of there. They were ready to move on. They're like, all right, let's go, let's go. Correct, and they understood the situation. Ryan Flaherty, who was there, played with Manny in Baltimore. He's a coach there now with, with the Padres. He knows old Manny, and he, know, he knows everything about Manny's career. He's been with him literally for his entire career between Baltimore and San Diego. Mm-hmm. He's right there. He was right there in the middle of it because he knew exactly what was happening. Because J.J. Hardy, Mark Hakis, Adam Jones, they all did that with Machado. We may not have seen it, but it happened. Adam Jones is a good buddy of mine. We talked about it today. This, this happened a lot with Manny. He didn't just do this out of nowhere. It happened to him. Mm-hmm. And he knows in his mind it made him who he is today. He's grown from it as a player and as a person, and now he's passing that on. We're losing that aspect of baseball because we're getting younger and younger and younger, and veterans, unless you're a superstar or going to be a future Hall of Famer, you get pushed out of the game because your leadership skills, um, there's no metric or analytic for that to keep you in a lineup or keep you on a roster. So those guys get pushed out of the game. So it's good to see the guys that were young when I was young in the league still playing and using what those old grizzled veterans taught us because it's slowly seeping away from the game. So it was good to see it. And I know we live in a really soft, sensitive world right now. It just, it's just how it is, especially with Our social generation. media. I'll admit millennials and are soft, man. It's just how no one wants to be critiqued. No one wants to be coached um, or, or yelled at, but the, Tatis and Manny probably rode home together after the game. Well, maybe not that game, but maybe today, maybe after today. No, that's not how it works, dude. I'm telling you, that happened. They sat down after the game, talked about it, and that was it. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm just saying, like, Like, this wasn't a big deal. We're talking about this, and the media is blowing this up into something. It's not inside that clubhouse. They don't give a shit because it's not abnormal for that to happen. It's abnormal for it to be two superstars and for it to get caught on a cell phone. Families fight. Families fight. Big brother, little brother. Let me ask you one more question and we can move on here. Is it, because a lot of people are, (laughs) I disagree with this person. Let me preempt it by saying this, but a lot of people are saying this is Jay Stingler's fault because he's lost the clubhouse. I don't, I I don't know how much merit. The best clubhouses I've ever been a part of and clubhouses that I've ever talked to people that they've been a part of were run by the veterans, not manager not the hitting coach not the front office when we won a world series we never saw our manager come talk to us about anything in the clubhouse not one time john farrell didn't have to do that because we had big poppy we had pedroia we had johnny gums we had napoli we had lester we had all these veterans who had been there and been through the shit they knew how it worked if i did something as a as a second year player that they didn't like they came and talked to me and i fixed it john farrell didn't have to because he had a veteran team. He had veterans who had the experiences under their belt where they policed the clubhouse, just like Manny Machado did yesterday. Did anybody, Unfortunately, uh, did, we're getting away from that in the game. Did anybody butt heads in 2013 behind closed doors that maybe we didn't <clears throat> see on a camera of a fan sitting right next to the dugout? Butt head. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I did something wrong one time. I was hurt. I was hurt for a couple weeks. And we had a doubleheader 
and I went home. So we had a game, a day night doubleheader. We had a date with an early game doubleheader. And these were nine inning doubleheaders, right? Um, I, what did I do? I left something at home and I, I live like 10 minutes from the park. It's Boston. It doesn't take long to get, but I left and went home. And then I came right back. Like it was, there were hours before the game. And this isn't something, this wasn't even something on the field, but I got back and got my ass fucking reamed because it's just not what you do. Once you're at the field, you're at the field, you focus on work. You don't go do whatever you need to do. You don't need to go run errands. You're here. Like they were in my ass about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was the players or the coaches or both? No, that was the vets. I had Johnny Gomes was the main one. And Pedroia chimed in because he was like my infield vet, you know? That's right. But Johnny was kind of like our guy. It was like, but he, he didn't like mean it was constructive. He was just like, listen, man, we don't do that. Right. And I was like, I didn't know. Like I, I'm on the DL, right? For the It was a DL at the time. I'm on the DL and I, I just, I had to get this done. It's not like I was going to have drinks at the bar. Like I had like something important I had to take care of. And I was gone for like 30 minutes and it was like four hours to our next game, three hours to our next game. Cause we played at like noon and then the next game was at like seven thirty, seven Oh five. And, um, and he was like, I don't give a shit. You don't do that. It's a bad look. There's younger guys here that look up to you. You don't do that. You're here. You're at work. You're here with the team, period. And I was like, yes, sir. And I learned from it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Well, I think we can both agree, maybe not the best optics, regardless. It could be a good thing in the long run. And the yeah, that, that, That's the thing is they don't care what the optics are. Yeah. They had to do what they had to do as a team. And, and, and I guarantee Tatis thinks twice for the rest of his career before he does that again in a big game. It's going to stick with him. I mean, I can't say anything about – I mean, their fan base is getting kind of brutal. I, I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, they're – Oh, you suck when you're a Padre. I don't, I don't care. I still have an opinion. They're like, you can't talk. You can't, you can't talk about the Padre, Julie. You had you hit like 220 when you were here. Okay. Says the guy sitting in his Says couch. the guy who watched me play there. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm not saying fans don't understand the game at all. I'm not saying that. But just like don't tell hey. me my opinion doesn't matter, but yours does. That's every every fan base has those toxic <clears throat> groups. San so Diego is no exception. The argument, just to clue some of you guys in who maybe haven't seen the exchanges on Twitter, I said that. Larry Rothschild was not the issue with their pitching. He was simply the scapegoat because they couldn't just fire the pitching staff. They already are bringing in Jake Arietta and Vince Velasquez to fill in spots. And those Jake Arietta has a seven ERA on the season. The season, his last three starts, he has like a 24 ERA. It's not good. It's not oh, he's getting up. touchdowns. Listen, it's, Blake's now, oh, Blake's now had two good starts after Ross Trout left. If you think a Cy Young pitcher, a big leaguer, a professional, isn't going to pitch well because of what his pitching coach says, you're a fucking idiot. Not to mention their new pitching coach, who I'm drawing a blank on, because he's he was their bullpen coach. He's now Correct. their coach. I don't think he has some secret sauce, you know no, what I mean? He was there in every meeting right. and, and brainstorming with Rothschild, bouncing stuff right. off each other with the same shit. Like, he's not bringing Michael's secret stuff and saying, here, Blake, drink no. Michael's secret stuff. You know why Darvis yeah. isn't pitching well? Because he can't get ahead. He can't throw his fastball for a strike. He throws 17 different pitches, 
But when you can't get yourself in accounts to make those effective, it doesn't matter. If you can't throw your fastball for a strike, people are going to sit soft. It's simple as that. It's as elementary as it gets. Okay, if you can't you throw a fastball for a strike, your, your off speed isn't effective. When you were in Boston, how influential, and by influential, I mean, how much of a say did your pitching coach in Boston have over the mechanics, the mentality, everything that goes into a, a game as a pitcher, how much influence did they actually have? He had influence when people asked him to give. Right. That's exactly where I was getting at. That's that goes for hitting coaches. It goes for managers. This is the pros. This isn't, this isn't little league. It's not high school. It's not even college. Even the minor league, like this is the pinnacle of the sport. If you're in the big leagues, you have to be your best coach because that's what got you there. Not saying coaches don't have anything to do with success of players or failure of players. Of course, that's there. But we're talking about you, Darvish, and Blake Snell. And we're blaming a coach from that pitching well, and then they fire the coach, and all of a sudden, that was the reason why. Not because the professional made an adjustment. Or, which we're not really talking about, Darvish is hurt. He's hurt. He didn't. He's hurt, and I talked about this earlier on the podcast. Belief in yourself and 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 confidence is everything in in life in sports. If you fear failure, if you're like fuck, I'm in a bad spot right now. If I went to the plate in a slump, which happened a fucking lot, I <laughs> I go to the plate and I'd be like, don't fuck up, like don't chase the slider again, like don't chase, don't be over aggressive, don't 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 right? Not just like, lock it in, let's go give me your shit, I'm going to rock your ass. Same thing for pitchers, right? They get up there like, fuck, I know I can't throw my fastball for a strike. Fuck, no, no, I'm slider, slider, slider. Well, the hitter knows you can't throw your fastball for a strike, so here comes the hang and get me over that he is fucking just waiting on because he, we have scouting, we have advanced scout meetings, we have scouting reports. Oh, he, he has a 33% first strike rate. Because he can't throw his fastball for his right. It's right there. Why would I look fastball? That's right. That's why he's getting crushed. He can't throw his fastball for strikes. Same thing with Snell. You watch Snell his last few starts. I'm sorry. I see you take a deep breath, but you're ready to talk, and I just keep going. <sighs> Snell, his last three, four starts, pounding the fastball. Throwing we know how good his breaking ball is, high spin rate in the league on that. One of the nastiest breaking balls I've ever seen. It's not effective 2-0. It's not effective 3-1 because you have to throw it for strikes. He's, his curveball is at its best when he can throw it at your back foot, throw it in the dirt, make you chase. It's a chase pitch, not a strike pitch. But you can't throw it that way unless you get ahead with the fastball, period. Lesson. I'm with you. Uh, I will say this. Their issues extend further from their pitching staff. It's really been the offense. And, I, I mean, for much of the year, it, I mean – they had the but they had the best bullpen in baseball for three quarters of the year. Now, they've slid a little bit. Emilio Pagan has struggled a little bit in that bullpen. I mean, you Darvish has been really terrible, and I'm not making accusations. You know why they've struggled? You know why they've struggled? Because they've had to cover so many innings. Right. They're taxed. You're right. You're because right. the starting pitching has sucked. Now they're tired. And I'm not making accusations here, but you Darvish has been. He has, he's got an ERA over seven since. I know what you're going to say. The, the sticky substance yeah. crackdown. I'm not making accusations. That's objective facts right there. I'm just saying he hasn't been good since that day. I will say I played with him in Texas. Never noticed that with him. Is that okay? That's there good. Were, I'm not saying he was not using it. That, that was years ago. That was years ago. But 
I played with him in Texas where it was hot as balls mm-hmm. and really sweaty, right? And a lot of guys use stuff. I've most guys I play with use stuff. I never saw him use it. I you, he was a big sunscreen and rosin guy though. Sunscreen and rosin, which is banned now. So maybe he does have an issue. But I never saw him use the crazy shit. I just saw him use sunscreen and rosin, which I'm totally okay with. That's a that's a wake and rake exclusive intel right there. You can only find that on the wake and rake podcast. <laughs> but back to my point. Their offense has been their issue, okay? Even before they started sliding, their offense was very middle of the pack. I mean, batting average, OPS, home runs. You, you think yeah, they were just excited, right? They're just, yeah, you, they were just you excited. Think with Cronenworth, Machado, Tatis, Grisham, Will Myers, like you would think they would at least be hitting some bombs. No, they haven't been doing this all season, even before the slide. So I went, I did deep dive. I'm figuring out like, what is the problem with this team? Because if you look at their team numbers, very average everything middle of the pack so i'm like okay there has to be something that sticks out i think i found it as a team their leadoff hitters i'm not talking about the leadoff hitter of the game i'm talking about any time a hitter is leading off an inning they're hitting 229 so they're not getting their leadoff hitter on base that's the that's last in the national league they're not getting their leadoff hitter on it's hard to start a rally when you're not getting your letter. You can, you can say, yeah, we're starting a rally with one out, two outs, but it just doesn't have as much weight. When you get that leadoff runner on, you get that momentum churn. We're last of that? Last in the National League. The only team behind them was – it had to have been like the Orioles or Mariners or something like that. Of the it's National League. Last in the National League. 229, their leadoff hitter. Well, the, well, the Mariners and the – Orioles for nail. That's what I was saying. I'm saying they're last. Oh, oh, oh I misunderstood you. I misunderstood yeah, you. The That's only it. team in, in Major League Baseball behind them was like the Orioles or Mayor, but last in the National League. So my point is they're not getting in in San Francisco. This was game three in San Francisco of the last four game series they have. They scored nine runs. And I'm like, holy shit, what did they do? They had their leadoff base runner reach base the first five innings. Each of the first five innings, they scored nine runs. So Maybe that can indicate why their mm-hmm. offense has struggled so much. If they Makes get sense. their leadoff base runner on, maybe they have a chance. You know, they're playing St. Louis right now. If they can win that series, that would be huge. And then they have a, a couple home series coming up, too. So maybe they can kind of get things back on track. I'm not giving up on them yet, but things aren't looking good in San Diego. It's sure. looking good, and it sucks because we were so excited about them. Yeah. I mean, and which we have, which we did talk about early in the years, they're going to be good for the next couple of years. So. Yeah. It's not just about this year. They're going to be just as good. It's like, I, I want to see what happens to the Giants after this year. But if yeah, a lot, a lot of, of guys are in your deals and, you know. A lot of money to spend. Yeah. So. Speaking of San Diego, let me get your take on the National League MVP. Are you going Bryce Harper or Fernando Tatis Jr.? By the way, before I get your answer, I want to just mention a couple names that deserve recognition. Max Muncy, Brandon Crawford. Those two guys especially. What they've done for their two ball clubs this season. I, I know the numbers aren't as good as Tatis. Castellanos, too. Who? Castellanos. Who? Castellanos. Nick Castellanos. Why do you say it like that? What did I say? Castellanos. What do you say? Castellanos. That's the same exact thing. You don't like, you don't like, you don't pronounce the T. Why don't you do that? Is it a Texas accent? Castellanos? I did say the T. No. Castianos. There it is. Yes, I know I that. Said it fa- I think I said it fast. Castianos. I, I said it know. fast. You're right. No, I said it fast and it didn't pronounce it. You're right. I know but it. I know it's there. Okay. I just I can read it now. I, I, I know I didn't go to college, but I can. I can hey, read. 
you keep me in check, I keep you in check. That's how we that's how we go to bat with each other. You know, we didn't talk to like a month and a half. And you're fucking correcting me already. <laughs> All right. Can we talk about what we're gonna talk about? Bryce Harper, Tatis, NL MVP. But don't forget about Brandon Crawford, Max Muncy, Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah, I think Bryce it's gonna come down to Harper and uh, yes, Tatis. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Um, Harper in the second half has been maybe the best player in baseball. He has. Uh, also, I mean, him and Bobby D. Bobby D's. All right. <laughs> hey, he's been, hey, he picked, he picked it up huge for them because they were like, we don't have a first baseman. And he was like, the fuck we don't. <laughs> here's my, here's my Bobby D's. Oh, I love how we're talking about NL MVP and you just somehow. Okay, that's because I, that's because Bryce Harper and Bobby Dahlbeck have been the two best hitters in, since the deadline. What a Red Sox homer you are. Um, I'm going to go, I think I got to go to Tatis. Yeah. Yeah. Got more homers, a lower OPS. I'm comparing him to Harper right now. Uh, his he's, w- got a lot, he's got like, lower. he's got like 30 more, 20 more RBIs in Correct. But time, and he played uh, less Harper, games, right? Harper's first 12 home runs this season. Were so homers. Yeah. Cause he didn't hit them when people were on base. Stop blaming other people. <laughs> oh, but but no one's on base. That's not his fault. Yeah, but you know those times he punched out with three guys on? That was his fault. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's <laughs> There's always two sides, all right? That's true. That's fair. I, I'm personally reserving my answer. I got to see how these next two weeks play out. I yeah. don't – I'm not – No, I agree. I can't. I think, I think baseball – the baseball world wants it to be Tatis because he's like the new toy, you know? Uh, and Harper is just kind of like the toy that's been sitting in the closet for a while. Like, you still enjoy, but it's starting to get some dust on it. That's right. You still enjoy it, like, just not as much. That's right. Okay, American League. It's kind of like when you get married. American League MVP. Uh, I, I Let me preempt this. People are starting to talk about Vladdy Jr. as MVP. I personally am going to say this, okay? If you think Vladdy G is MVP, that's great. If you think if you look at his season resume and you think he's better than Shohei Otani, give him MVP. I respect. Can you that. leave me but something to say? Because you're gonna say it all. It's my time to shine. <laughs> just don't give it to him just simply because he wins a triple crown. That's all I'm gonna say. Because what Shohei Otani is doing, or because his team's going to the playoffs. Correct. What Shohei Otani is doing this season might be just as impressive if not more than a triple crown. The only difference is what Shohei Otani is doing this season doesn't have a fancy title that is triple crown. That's all I'm saying. Because what Shohei Otani is doing this season, it might not say triple crown because we've never seen it before. We've seen a triple crown, so now we've attached a title, triple crown, to that feat, that accomplishment. What Shohei Otani is doing, it has no title. It is uncharted territory. So don't give it to him simply because it has a title. That's all I'm saying. You have the floor, my friend. I fully agree. I think the argument is that I'm seeing is, oh, well, how valuable are you to your team if you can't get them to the playoffs? Let's see what the Angels look like without Shohei this year. They, they, didn't have, they only had Trout for 30 games. They have Phil Goslin in the three-hole. I like Phil. Shut up. <laughs> but there's the thing, too, is they're like, uh, well, that, that lineup's loaded. In Toronto, uh, there's lots of people on base. 
yeah, it's also protection in the lineup. Shohei has nothing. Rendon's been hurt. JL didn't have a great year. Um, and Trout's been out the whole season. He played the first month before he hurt his calf. Shohei has no protection. Thanks. Toronto, Simeon's had 40 homers. Bichette's got 20-something homers. Richick has 20-something homers. Teoscar Hernandez is hitting 900 with 28 homers. Seriously. Yeah, no. He's not awesome. 900, but he's hitting like 315. Yeah, you're right. And that's somebody else we never talked about, and he's putting up gaudy numbers, like crazy numbers, right? So we both so agree that Shohei Otani is – What he is doing, we're becoming bored with how cool it is. That's sad. He's having a better season than Babe Ruth ever did doing both. That's right. By far. By far. When Babe Ruth hit all those homers, he wasn't a pitcher. And when he pitched well, he didn't hit as well. It's just how it was. He never did both like Shohei. What he's doing is history. It may never happen again, even by him. His, his pitching and his hitting has cooled off a lot. He's still hitting some homers here and there. But his pitching in the second half has been great. Yeah. He finally got, here we go again, fastball command. So now the, the split and the, and the breaking ball are that much nastier because guys have to guess because it's 97. He's one of those Verlander type guys too, where his velocity goes up as, the goes as the game goes on. Or the leverage is, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that was frustrating. I remember facing Verlander and like the first inning or for second inning, nobody on. He's like 91, 92, 91, 92. And then like the sixth inning, you're like 93, 94. He's picking up like 95. You're like, we know this is going to happen. And then like, oop, guys in scoring position, 100. Yep. 100. You're like, what? That's crazy how like, guys can do that but to your point Shohei's MVP mm -hmm. it sucks for Vladdy because he's having a great offensive season but we've seen guys have season like see like he's having we've seen triple crowns I'm not poo-pooing the triple crown that is so hard to pull off we don't even know if he's going to get it but we've seen guys have offensive production like Vladdy has we've never in the history of the game seen anything like that his one side, other than homers, doesn't stand out like Vladdy does. I get that. But he has two above-average sides of the ball. And he's also a chance to leave the league in homers. We also have a Hank Aaron Award and a Silver Slugger Award if he, <clears throat> he was the best hitter, which he probably was. And I'm, referring to, I'm referring to Vladimir Gretchen. If you want to hand him the Silver Slugger, but MVP is the most valuable. I have a question. Well, there's not a – no, that was a stupid question. That was a stupid question. He's not in the NL. In the NL, is there, a, is there a silver slugger for pitchers? There is, right? There is. They should name it after Madison Bumgarner or Zach Granke, but yes, there is. Yeah, I was just thinking if he was in the NL, if he could win two silver sluggers. By the way, not one time on this podcast as we close up shop here, not one time on this did podcast. Did you talk about your trip? Did I talk about my trip? But I saved it for, for the end. What if I told you I saw one jersey in Europe, one baseball jersey? That's it. Only one. And it was a Red Sox. Who did I see in Europe? I saw one jersey. I went to Italy, France, Barcelona, Spain. Um, a couple current different players. player, current player or no? I'm not. I'm not giving you hints. I saw one one person the entire time. I was there for three weeks, and I saw one baseball jersey, and it was a Red Sox. Who would it be? Who was wearing it? Tell me the, what the person looked like. I'm not going to give you. I mean, I was in Spain, so he was a Spaniard. I mean, I would guess Big Poppy. 
He was a, a male Spaniard. You are correct. It was Big Poppy. What if I would have turned that around if I was like, it was actually a Will Middlebrooks jersey? I would have said that my, my mom's side of the family from Spain. It was probably my cousin. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I think I was in Spain at that I, time. I do have family in, like, Barcelona. So that's yeah. What, what if I told you it was actually me wearing the jersey and it was just what you sent me? It was your jersey. That'd be a little weird, but I know you sleep in it. I didn't know you wore it out in public. Yeah. All the time. I definitely say it's like my nightgown for sure, though. All right, Brooksy. This was fun, dude. It's good We're to be back. We're back, bro. We're, We're back. back. We're back. So much room for activities. I love this. Until next time, party people. Adios. See you guys in a month. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save